into cybersecurity, there's a ton of content out there. And if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. All right, let's rock and roll, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today is Thursday, January 4th, 2024. Welcome to episode number 528 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I am your host, Dr. Gerald Ozier, and over the next 45 minutes, me, you, <laughs> me, you, Runaway Amish, Semphilis, Silent Hawk, Johnny Five, Kimberly Can Fix It, Chris Young, Valentino, Marcus Kyler, Chairman of the Eat Crew, Language Express, Zombie Guy, Justin, Joshua, David, so many folks like James McQuiggan at 35,000 feet and Jesse Johnson over in Colorado. Folks like Logan Fuller on LinkedIn and Matt McDaniel on YouTube. We're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. And I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. Or if you're looking to break into the industry, you are covered. Believe me, you're going to be asked in any single job interview, how do you stay current in the industry? Whether you're pivoting within the industry or you're breaking in, this right here is the answer. This is the cheat code. This is the, you know, left, right, left, right, A, B, select, start, right? This is what's going on here. 30 lives on Contra. But believe me, as fun as it is, uh, it is it is work. And this is an instructor-led webinar effectively. So enjoy that. I can't wait to get into the show and shred the top cyber news stories with all of you. But before we get into it, holler at my sponsors. Thank you, sponsors, for making me able to get up every single weekday morning, pound a pot of coffee, and come at you hot. Starting with my man, Barricade Cyber Solutions. What's up, Barricade Cyber? Did you know that they're dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done? Hot. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses, believe that, and send dedicated hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions, Eric Taylor, Casually Joseph, they know how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents and mollify that tummy trouble for business owners. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. You know what's up. Love it, love it, love it. Also, shout out to Panopsi.com. Panopsi Security. Get a partner who understands your cybersecurity program and your business goals. Your cyber budget and team deserve a consultant and a firm that can come in and with respect to your investments and your time, give you valuable, like basically um, salient points and guidance tactically or strategically to drive your business's cyber risk reduction in the right direction. Now, that's a lot of 
fancy words and buzzwords. So what the hell am I? Sorry, Kennedy. What am I actually saying? You can call Panopsi and without having to understand anything, come in and say, listen, these are our problems. What do you think we should do? Boom, boom, boom. Or let's take it back a step. We don't even know what our problems are. We are that in the dark. Help us. All right, boom. Quantified risk assessment. Here are your top problems. Here's the roadmap. Here's your three years. Call me back in 72 months and I will, or, or call me back in 36 months and we'll get you sorted out again, right? That's what's up with panopsi.com. Go check them out. Also anti-siphon training, but more about them at the mid-roll. Y'all, Chris Young, Toasty Pop, Sid Pat, and Jim Lund, did you know that each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE? That's right. So I think it's the funnest way to get CPEs, honestly. So do yourself a favor. Say what's up in chat. If you don't know what to say, how about Team SC? That's what this shirt's all about. Team SC. Take a screenshot. I had someone DM me yesterday about how to do this. Hashtag Team SC. Take a screenshot. File it into a folder on your desktop. And at some point, usually you do CPEs once a year or right when you need them. You'll have them all done already. And you can just be like, what's up? I'm done. Ruined Bechterum is back in the house. Good to see you, Ruined. So if you are, um, what else are we doing here? Oh, if you're, if it's your first time here, hashtag first timer in chat. We love welcoming our first timers. Hashtag first timer in chat. Please let us basically shower you with a custom emote and a custom sound effect. And if you're a regular long timer, you know exactly what to do when the first timers identify themselves. We are an inclusive, supportive community. So make the circle wider and let them in. All right, guys, let's see. Did I did I cover everything? Oh, yeah. Final thing. I don't research or prep or do I don't even know the stories that are coming up, literally. So what you're about to get is my rough, rugged, raw riding low on the hip on a train bound for glory type uh, type hot takes here. So do me a favor. It's a good time. Josh Kern's first timer. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, t- pal. Andrea, uh, Adriano Gon- Gonzalez, welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. Marcio, welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. All right, y'all. We got work to do, so sit back, relax, and let's let the hot sounds of the... Co- let the cool sounds of the hot news Mercy! wash over us in an awesome wave. See you at the mid-roll. Oh, hold on. See From you. the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. These are- Shout out to Space Tacos. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Space Tacos just making it rain with gifted subs this morning. Thank you so much. If you're one of the 50 recipients of the gifted subs, Space Tacos is dropping. <laughs> Welcome to the squad, my friends. Enjoy the emote tray with all the custom emotes, including including Bruce Willis from Die Hard saying welcome to the party, pal, because that's what's up. There we go. Welcome to the party, pal. To the party, pal. Also, first timers like Jeffrey Nard- Narty, Alex Miller, and Adriano, who we already nailed. There it is. Welcome to the party, pal. Settle in, everybody. This is what we're doing. Cybersecurity headlines for Thursday, January 4th, 2024. I'm Rich Straffolino. A call for a formal ban on ransomware payments. 
The security company Emsisoft published a blog post calling on a legally mandated ban on ransomware payments. It cited that in 2023, the U.S. saw over 300 ransomware attacks against hospitals, schools, and government bodies, costing an average of $1.5 million to mitigate. These figures don't account for things like move-it breaches or the ones on private third parties. Some critics say that in the long term, a ban may be warranted. If enacted immediately, though, it would prove impossible to enforce and potentially cause more harm for organizations that lack resiliency and IT maturity. Right, exactly. <clears throat> so here's the deal. Like this is a, this is a this. So this group, I don't know who Emisoft is, but they're saying, hey, we, sh we should uh, consider basically outlawing or making it illegal to pay ransomware payments. Ransomware payments have continued to escalate. Uh, I want to say like the average ransomware payment was like half a million dollars um, a couple years ago. In this report, they're saying $1.5 million is the average. Uh, so that's a dramatic increase. Um, with all due respect, I'd love to see the data set that they're pulling this on. I think one and a half million for the average Demand is a bit high. Uh, also, I want to point out really quickly, this is a nuanced thing, but for those who are looking to break in, you may not catch this right on the first uh, pass. It's the average demand. So this is what the threat actors are asking for initially, but uh, ransomware negotiations happen all the time. It's almost like part of the workflow now. So ransomware threat actors, they come in at one and a half million on average. The business or victim comes back with somebody like Eric Taylor at Barricade Cyber Solutions running the negotiations and says, ah, we'll give you 400 grand. And then it becomes like a, um, like a Middle Eastern bazaar where you're, you're haggling and, and you know, you're in the market basically trying to come to terms on what you're going to do. So the average payment is typically less than one and a half million, but the average demand is one and a half million, according to this source. Again, uh, you could pull, 15 different reports and get 15 different average demand values. So don't take this as gospel. All right. Now the, the bigger picture in the room, a formal ban on ransomware payments. Okay. So you're a K through 12 school in Denver, Colorado, and you get hit with ransomware and you're down. You are a cancer, a kid's cancer hospital in Louisiana and you get hit with ransomware. It, it, like, and it's, it's, they're asking a hundred thousand dollars, right? Something easy that you could just pay and get back up and running. You are a business that is all about making straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. Okay, let's not be all righteous and, and, and cherry pick, um, you know, uh, victims that have kids involved. Like you're a for-profit business cranking out widgets and you are making straight cash, homie. And you employ a thousand people in a town and you get hit with a ransomware and you're gonna, your choice is pay it or go out of business and a thousand people lose their jobs. Like it's not cut and dry. This isn't a video game or 1950s where you have these like very, very easy coloring inside the lines understandings. This right here is simple-minded and I get it, I get it. Like let's have the conversation, let's discuss it. And US federal government uh, bans um, agencies and such from paying ransoms, but it, it, this is, this is, uh, you know, basically trying to, I don't know, like, uh, you need a surgical precision solution. And this is like basically sawing off your leg with a handsaw in the civil war. Like it's, this is not good in general. Okay. Um, again, I'm not going to get into all the complexities of battling ransomware. We've been struggling for seven years. Uh, I have my theories on a good way to solve ransomware. It's not my own original thought. It is very dark and it involves 
clandestine operations and um, like, uh, you know, kind of black budget operations uh, from the intelligence community. But having said all that, um, you know, this isn't going to, this isn't going to slow anything down. In fact, all this is going to do is drive people underground to make payments um, kind of illicitly. And, you know, it's, it's just whatever. What are we doing here? So this is a fun conversation, but I don't see it going anywhere. FTC asked for ideas to fight voice cloning. The Federal Trade Commission opened a call for submissions on how to fight fraud with text-to-speech technology. It's hoping the challenge will receive ideas from across disciplines to better monitor and stop abuse of this tech. It'll accept submissions until January 12th, with the winner receiving $25,000. Submissions must include ideas on how to prevent malicious parties from accessing voice cloning software, improve real-time voice cloning detection, and provide a way to detect cloned voices in clips. The FTC warned about the potential of this type of use all the way back in March, but to date has not taken any enforcement action on it. All right. I mean... It's funny that the FTC is soliciting this. FTC is the Federal Trade Commission. Um, I, I mean, I, I guess. I mean, some someone's got to take the lead on this one. I just, I don't know. Um, they're they're specifically targeting fraud, which I get. Here is the deal. Um, there's a, there's a lot around this voice cloning technology from a cybersecurity perspective. You know, my initial thought goes towards business email compromise. Um, you know, spear phishing with the intent of fraud. Um, like it's very easy. Think about this for a second. I send you an e like Stephen Mount now works in finance. Okay, congratulations, Stephen. Welcome to the finance team. So I send Stephen Mount a phishing email and I say, Stephen, I'm the CFO of the company. Please send money out to this bank account. Okay, and Stephen's like, bro, there's like typings here. The email address is wrong. Suck it. No. Then I send Stephen Mount a email from a personal Gmail account with an attachment of a voicemail MP3. And I say, uh, like, you know, listen, you've received a voicemail, right? Like whatever, make it look like it came in as a voicemail. And then it's the CFO's voice saying, Hey, Steven, um, my email's broken. I can't send from work email, but I got this important account that we got to send. Can you just send the money out? Thanks. I'm, I'm going to send you a follow-up email with the uh, invoice or account number. What, what are you going to say? Like if the entire workflow to validate that it is a legitimate request is to call out of band or get out of band acknowledgement um, from the requester. I mean, that sounds like out of band, right? So you're like, basically it's going to lead to a lot more fraud. Obviously I think that there's concerns here around um, evidence of wire, you know, wiretap evidence, right? So all right. Now, Toasty Pops, me and you are uh, like basically conspiring to commit a crime. And the evidence to support us being uh, brought to trial is a audio recording. And you and I are like, no, nope, that's that's faked. That's cloned information. That's like a voice cloning thing. Jerry, my voice is like all over YouTube. They could have they did that. And it, it begins to question the integrity of all of these things. Right. So. Voice cloning is a serious bit of business, right? I mean, obviously you can do fun stuff like have Eminem rap a birthday song for your your spouse, but it, it's going to have real implications. So for the FTC to look at this, totally cool. I love it. I love, for, for starters, I love crowdsourcing and public recognition um, 
or public public solicitation of ideas. Anyone that thinks that like their little ivory tower is going to come up with the best ideas is um you know basically ignorant okay that that's another reason why encryption algorithms that get publicly scrutinized are much stronger than ones that get developed in house right cuz the greater commons are going to be able to deliver better value it's the same reason i ask everybody over here in chat the 338 of you beautiful people for ideas all the time right because you guys are amazing okay regarding this the one speculative hot take I'll I'll add here, and I hate to sound like such a, a naysayer and cynical, but like let's say that voice cloning technology, we're able to detect it because of XYZ, the same techniques that they're used to able to detect deep fakes. We can't see it with our eyes, but computers can basically um see kind of the folds in deep fakes and determine it's a deep fake. Well, with AI and all this new technology and you know LLM or LM, LLMs, um, whatever whatever comes of this, like let's say someone finds some perfect solution to identify voice cloned audio, whatever they find, it will be removed in the next iteration of voice cloning technology, and that's why I say I'm cynical. I feel like the the technology can move so quickly now that like whatever is detected will be addressed and and like removed. So like this is going to be a very slippery uh, moving target that is going to be very difficult. And we as cybersecurity practitioners have to be fully aware of this and begin to adjust our threat model um, around this. You should absolutely be educating your end users on voice cloning. Like if you wanted to make an impactful awareness training, you could, and by the way, uh, don't take this verbatim, please adjust accordingly, but you could have the president of your company, the CEO of your company or whatever, somebody in your company that everybody in the company knows or, or do a celebrity, right? That everybody knows and have them say something funny or say something silly, something memorable and tie it to your company. And then, you know, you pop on screen and be like, Hey, like it's Jerry from InfoSec. That was, you know, I don't know, like that was uh, Margaret Thatcher um, saying, you know, whatever, or that was Captain Kirk, right? Saying such and such. But that was a voice clone technology. He never said that. The technology exists today to be able to do this. Be aware, X, Y, Z, right? Like educate your end users, okay? Using impactful techniques. Cyber attack impacts a French township. The attack impacted a mid-sized township in Brittany. The township's mayor confirmed to local media that it took down all of its IT services, although passport and national ID card networks remain compartmentalized and not impacted by the attack. Community service infrastructure <clears throat> remains open, but with degraded service. No word from authorities about the nature or perpetrator of the attack. All right. Uh, this sucks for this French township. Basically, again, hey, this is a municipality hit. I guess I'm not familiar enough with European um, government, but uh, in the United States, <clears throat> municipalities are common, un commonly underfunded, understaffed. They might have managed IT, like managed um, MSPs for their IT services. Maybe they have like one one person as their IT person for the town. Um, and you know it is what it is. So this French township gets hit. Uh, I have two hot takes on this one. Obviously, they said they don't know who it is. Um, 
you know, it could be anyone. Like, it, I have two. I have two thoughts on this. Ready? One, it's either a ransomware attack, and it's just a crime of opportunity, and that happens all the time. Affiliate ransomware service. Okay. Two, this was a beta test for a larger a cyber attack against a municipality. All right. Like, if you were gonna, if you were gonna like test your capabilities and see if you could do this, whacking some French township. Um, that, you know, a coastal township that, you know, some people have heard of, but it's not like Paris or, you know, somewhere that um, Jason Bourne would show up. Maybe it doesn't make the headlines as much and no one really does the investigation uh, into it. And you're able to refine your capability, do the workflow for your, uh, your operators, your team. So that, that's a, um, that's a theory, not based on anything. Um, but to me, if I was going to like, run a uh, a massive campaign against a a city or a country i would want to warm up right and it's it's you know so 10,000 residents and yeah okay so they mentioned ransomware in here but it's it's more tied to um france like just being pissed off about ransomware not so much uh that this place was hit by ransomware although if I had to guess, if I had if I had a hundred bucks, right? If I had a hundred bucks and I had to bet it, I think the safe money bet is that this is just a uh, crime of opportunity by a ransomware affiliate that hit a town that was inter network. Like all their services were kind of inter uh, networked or interrelated, um, especially because it's a small town. They may have only had a couple servers kind of running things, and it got hit. It sucks. It sucks, but. It is, you know, it is what it is. And of course, I'm sure the people in France are like, Catch me outside, how about that? Right. Any excuse I can to use that sound effect, I will. China slow on approving data exports. Back in September 2022, a data transfer law came into force in China, requiring government approval on cross-border transfers for companies with over 1 million registered users. The Financial Times' sources say only about 25% of all applications have been approved, with thousands of requests still pending with the Cybersecurity Administration of China, even after the legally mandated 57 working day window. That agency initially published figures on approvals, but stopped doing so in May 2023. And All right. Um, so I, I don't really know much about this. Um, so I guess there's some Chinese law that says that they'll do data export. China intends to ease controls over cross-border data transfer. Oh, hold on one second. I just, I don't know enough about this. So I'm gonna uh, use a cheat code here um, I, because I need to understand a little bit so I can give my thoughts on it, all right? Um, okay. Companies operating outside the exemption scope should seek clarification, security assessment threshold. All right. I don't see. Here's the thing. I don't understand what data they're trying to export and why China's holding it. All, all I will say is that traditionally, okay, I'm not, I'm not painting everything with this, but traditionally, and there's tons of evidence to support this. So this is not a hot take. Traditionally, China is amazing at espionage, and that's basically stealing information and data and bringing it in for their own initiatives. They have lots and lots and lots and lots of citizens. They have a lot of citizens that are aging out. Uh, because of their one child law, they actually have a kind of a um, 
a, a kind of a gap in uh, younger people in their population, right? So with aging healthcare and fewer younger people um, doing research and, and medical research and pharmaceutical stuff, they've got some real problems. They got problems with energy. They import a lot of energy. They got problems with food production, right? They've got a lot of, pro and then plus they're trying to become, you know, first world, I mean, they are a first world power, but like they got a lot going on. So espionage is definitely in their bag and they're definitely good at it. And they, they take in a lot of data. So I don't find it remarkable or crazy that data exporting out of China is being constrained and sluggish and they're dragging their feet. It's like when you tell your kid it's time for bed and all of a sudden, like one of their legs doesn't work and they're just like dragging it. Like they're, you know, in the walking dead or something. You're like, what are you doing? You were just running around, jumping on the couch. And now you, your legs don't work. It's like, Ugh. so it, it, to me, this makes sense. If you told me, Hey, China is not really doing data export in a meaningful way, a timely way, an effective way. I'd say, yeah, okay. Like hot take central. So again, I'm sorry. I don't know everything. And this, this uh, data export rule, I don't know enough about, but uh, just at the high level, the, the broad brushstrokes, I'm not surprised. Um, again, I, I don't understand if it's like corporate data or if it's Chinese data or like China network data. I don't, I don't know, but I'm not surprised. Okay. Sorry, sorry to have like a crappy, a crappy take on that one. Upgrading Jeff says China doesn't have the one child policy anymore. Yeah, exactly. I know they stopped in, uh, they did stop a couple years ago. Uh, but you know, it, it takes a generation to repair that problem. Um, or not repair, but you know what I mean? Like, uh, rebuild the population. So, all right, here we go. Now, thanks to today's episode sponsor, NetSPI. Take the hassle out of dealing with alert fatigue, validation, and prioritization. Instead, use NetSPI's ASM platform to hone in on what's actually important. Attack surface vulnerabilities constantly evolve, causing a lack of visibility and overwhelm your security teams. Start the year off right by partnering with NetSPI to enhance your security program. Visit NetSPI.com ASM to learn more. All right. Hey, all you first timers like Adriano, Alex Miller, Jeffrey Nardi, if you're still here, I hope you're having a good experience. But we do this every mid roll also. Hey, 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 hey. All right. Straight crushing it today, everybody. The train has fully left the station. We are hauling butt down the rails. Thank you to the stream sponsors, Barricade Cyber, Panopsi Security, and Anti-Siphon Training. Guys, did you know, hit, if you're a squad member, drop that Anti-Siphon Training logo in chat, please. Welcome, everybody. Let me introduce you to Anti-Siphon Training. They are disrupting the traditional cybersecurity training industry by providing high-quality, cutting-edge education to everyone, regardless of financial position. Great teachers, great content live uh classes four day uh classes uh 16 hours of content cpes education i want to bring your attention to two classes that they are doing one at the end of january one the first week of february both taught by john strand if you don't know john strand and you look at uh look on stream right now you could see that emote of the guy walking with the explosion in behind him that's john strand Dude's legend. He's awesome. He cares. 
if you like the vibe of Simply Cyber, um, he, that's John Strand. Like he's very much uh, aligned with the same principles that we practice here. He is teaching those two courses, Active Defense and Cyber Deception, which I've taken and have a full video review on my uh, YouTube channel for. And he's teaching soft core skills. End of February, uh, end of January, early February. Amazing classes. There's one right there. There's a link. There's the other one. There's a link in the description below for each class. Go. You can take it for zero dollars. So it's just a question. Are you serious about learning? Are you serious about advancing? Do you have the time? Go do it. Rock on. All right. I also want to say thank you to each of you. Like Mario Gozum, Tim and George, Incognito, thank you for showing up every day. Matt McDaniel, long timer. Chris Young, relatively newcomer, but bringing the heat. Do me a favor. If you're getting educational value or entertainment value out of the show, hit the like button on YouTube. I'm not pumping my numbers. I don't have a counter behind me. I don't get, I don't get excited about how many likes I get. It literally triggers the YouTube algorithm to go tell more people searching for cybersecurity content on YouTube that we are here doing this. So pay it forward. It's probably how you found us yourself because the day before I asked people to do this. Pay it forward. Once upon a time in 1979, you need to be a squad member to get access to the emotes. You could sign up as a squad member. It's two bucks a month or five bucks a month, depending on what tier you want to support the channel. Hey guys, Simply Cyber Community Challenge. What if I told you for five minutes a day, you could blow up your professional network, which is incredibly valuable. Go on LinkedIn, search for the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge, connect with the people posting, connect, comment on their posts, and connect with the people in comments. Five minutes a day of active work, because you commented on the comments, people will connect with you passively afterwards. Do me a favor, do this for two weeks and come back and tell me I'm wrong. Do this for two, two weeks, five minutes a day. Tell me I'm wrong that it didn't blow up your network and your LinkedIn feed is actually valuable. I want to say shout out to Amish Runaway, Anita Sailors, who has got the baton right now. Every day, a new person gets the baton. And Anita, Amish, please tag somebody. La, 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 la. La, 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 la. La, la, la. All right, every day of the week's got a special segment. Thursdays are meme of the week. Dan Reeder and Haircut Fish makes a custom one. Here it is today, Captain Jack Jerry Sparrow um, <laughs> with the eye makeup. Thank you very much, Haircut Fish. Always bringing the mean heat. And this one is no doubt a good one as well. All right, y'all. I need to tag somebody. Let's get back to work. Okay, everybody, I'll see you at the end. Qualcomm warns of voice call vulnerability. The chip-making giant celebrated New Year's Day with a security bulletin detailing the vulnerability. This allows for a buffer overflow condition when on a voice over LTE call with a non-standard session description protocol, or SDP. A threat actor could potentially use a maliciously crafted SDP to execute arbitrary code. While listed as a critical vulnerability, Qualcomm contextualize it by saying an attacker would need to have control over the LTE network to use for the call. The company disclosed the bug to OEMs back in July, and a patch will roll out in the January Android Security Bulletin. Okay, so this is a serious issue. This is a serious issue. This is one of those ones, okay, where the the issue is serious, okay, but um, the I guess the likelihood 
is is lower, right? So the impact is wicked high, okay? But the likelihood is low. So so the risk the risk profile is, you know, adjusted. We as practitioners, right? Like me, B Rad, not rich, Kimberly, like we shouldn't we hey, once upon a time in 1979, you absolutely don't have to apologize for being new here. Welcome to the party. No one has to apologize for being here. No one has to apologize for their level of uh, experience, okay? Everybody, once upon a time in 1979, every single person in this chat was exactly where you are at some point, all right? So no need to apologize. All right, so check it out, this Qualcomm story. All you need to do is make a freaking phone call to push a buffer overflow into the... Um, into the victim's phone and you can take it over and run remote code. I want to point out really quickly, you cannot stop somebody from calling you, right? Like you can't stop someone from texting you. You can report junk, you can send it to voicemail, but you cannot stop it from calling you, right? As far as I know, right? Maybe some fancier phones, um, you can have like an explicit list or whatever, but for the most part, you can't stop someone from calling you, um, which actually introduces something in my mind around um, uh, the watch we got my son, uh, for... uh so anyways, here's the deal. Um, they say <clears throat> the, the, one of the conditions for this, um, risk or exploitation is that the threat actor would have to control the LTE network. Well, that sounds pretty serious, right? You'd have to control Verizon. You'd have to control AT&T. Let me tell you this. Think about it for a minute. If you're a country that runs an authoritative regime and you own the, <laughs> the the critical infrastructure in the municipalities and you own the phone system, right? Let's just pick China for an example. Then you do own the LTE. So now that part is already done. So really you could just take over, you could compromise anyone's, right? Now, obviously with more money, you could, you could also, um, uh, in my mind, I'm thinking you could also stand up a stingray, right? Like if you go to Black Hat or DEF CON, you'll see people walking around with like these huge backpacks and they're basically mobile uh, cell phone towers. Remember this, guys, you can't stop your phone. Your phone is designed to connect to the nearest tower. It looks for strength of signal. That's why when you're hauling butt down the road and you're going from one tower to the next tower, you look like uh, Pitfall Harry in the Atari Pitfall game. There's a deep cut for everybody where you're like, oh, oh, and you swing in from vine to vine. You never drop a call because you automatically hand off to the next tower, the strongest signal. So if Johnny's got a backpack with a tower in his bag and he's standing next to you, guess what? Your phone's connecting to that tower. So here's another kind of condition to this. If you have to own the LTE network and someone standing next to you has a tower in their back, guess what? They own the LTE network. So this can be conceived in a couple different ways. They did mention uh, Android rolling out a patch. Um, Qualcomm is a chip maker. I'm pretty sure that Apple produces their own chips that are in iPhones. So that would not, Qualcomm, you're not going to find the issue with iPhones. Uh, but if you are running Android and you do have uh, a Qualcomm chipset in your phone, you there's no reason not to prioritize getting this patched, okay? Ah, you gotta patch it. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't like turn my phone off and lose sleep over. Oh my, uh, am I gonna get the phone call? Like, just chill. All right. Also, I saw Deb Wiggly. People say hi to Deb Wiggly in chat. Um, 
Hello, Deb. How are you? All right. Also, I see BSEC saying in mod chat that you can block numbers and they won't ring your phone. This is true. This is true. But for anyone that thinks that you're going to block a number to prevent this attack from happening, I mean, come on, guys. It's it's unbelievably easy to get a new phone number. I mean, it's trivial to get a phone number. You could you don't even have to go to like AT&T and get one. You can use a service like um oh my god. There's some massive service that allows integrations and automations with mobile numbers. I can't think of it right now, but ba basically getting a new number is trivial, right? So, um blocking a number isn't really going to um reduce the risk of exposure on this one. FBI. But I, but I do want to point out, BSEC, I do love that you comment uh, in in chat. Okay, I'm not I'm not dissing that. I'm not throwing shade. I'm just addressing it. I think cyber agents at embassies, in an effort to improve addressing <laughs> international cyber crime, the U.S. FBI will start stationing more cyber focused agents at embassies. Initially, this will see a 40% increase in the total deployed cyber assistant legal attaches stationed at New Delhi, Rome, and Brasilia. The FBI began deploying these cyber-focused roles back in 2011, but up until now, the numbers remained fairly stable. This better accounts for the U.S.'s <laughs> new cybercrime policy, which focuses more on disrupting criminal groups rather than investigating crimes after the fact. Nice. All right, all right. So check this out. This is kind of interesting. Um, this is interesting, man. All right, so the FBI is adding cyber-focused agents to embassies. I would love to talk to Charles Finfrock on this one because I always think of the FBI as like, um, you know, internal United States investigations. I do know that they do international ones. They took down Emotet. Um, they've done other um, coordinated law enforcement efforts. But usually, in my experience, the U.S. embassies are run by the State Department, and they've got CIA agents and officers running around, coming in and out of the embassy. So you would, at least in my opinion, you would think that the CIA would be adding more cyber-focused agents. Note to Finfrock. Um, oh, here we go. Finfrock. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love so it. So we'll have to ask him later. But here's the deal. Uh, I mean, honestly... <laughs> Better late than never, I guess, FBI. Like, cyber has been a, like, frontline story. I mean, it has its own battle space in first world militaries. And now you're dropping uh, additional resources into U.S. embassies. I mean, seriously, if you're going to... Um, all right. Hey, uh, Amy Devine's got the baton. Let's go, Amy. Thanks, Amish Runaway. Good stuff. Um, here's the deal. Um, we need more cyber people all over the place, especially in law enforcement, um, to do incident response, to, to, um, to basically help investigate, uh, what happened. And especially if you're going to like break in and, um, like do a raid on a, a like, you know, whatever, like Revil ransomware gang or something like that. Um, you want cyber people and IT people, frankly, to be able to get in there and understand what they're pulling down. So I love this. Um, I would, I almost see this when I saw this headline, my first thought was, you know, obviously there's a lot of opportunity for work in cybersecurity. If you're interested, like, again, I'm not being ageist here, but typically younger people who don't have families or have settled roots anywhere. Um, are more likely to, you know, want to travel for work and flexible, whatever. Other, older people can do it too. So again, I'm not being ageist. Um, this is an opportunity, right? There's U.S. embassies in most countries. 
The FBI, if they're adding cyber-focused people all over the place, that's an opportunity. So just, just saying, right? Like if you're looking to get work and travel to exotic places, you might end up going to Djibouti, you know, not um, whatever, like the desirable country you want. Like you're not going to Fiji or Bali. You're going to Djibouti or, you know, whatever. Insert country you don't, you don't want to go to here. Um, that could happen. But just be mindful. Job opportunity. Get your job here. CISA warns about Parse Excel flaw. The U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency added a new vulnerability to its known exploited vulnerabilities catalog involving the open source Perl library spreadsheet Parse Excel. We previously covered an active exploit for this flaw impacting Barracuda ESG appliances from late December by Chinese-linked threat actors. The flaw opens the door to remote code execution in Excel. CISA gave civilian agencies until January 23rd to patch it. It seems upgrading the library to version 0.66 <coughs> resolves the issue, so hopefully this can get rolled out in that window. All right. Hey, squad members, if you're wondering, uh, if you're a new squad member, perhaps, and you're wondering, what are all these emotes? Who are these people's heads? This one right here, this one right here. This is Jen Easterly, Our Lady. Uh, what someone said it in chat. I liked it. It's like Our Lady of Cybersecurity, um, Jen Easterly. She's the director of CISA, and uh, she's phenomenal at her job. Um, and I will get her on Simply Cyber Live at some point. <laughs> um, CISA um, releases two updates for people to be aware of: uh, actively being exploited. This so actively exploited means that there's a threat actor out there with working code that is popping these vulns. So update your patch, um, update your patch. Ugh. Ah, you gotta patch it. Uh, Our Lady of Cybersecurity, Jen Easterly. Thank you, Chris Young. Um, update your Chrome, update your Excel. Um, Chrome's an obvious one. That That's like, everybody should update that. Uh, some people are abandoning Chrome, I know I've heard. Uh, so if you're not using Chrome, go, you know, whatever. Um, I wanna see this Excel one really quickly. Uh, the Excel one is a remote code execution, uh, unvalidated input from a file, string type evals. Uh, sorry, I'm just reading this really quickly to understand it. So, all right, here's the deal. Um, here's the deal, okay? I got I to gotta remind you about two things. One, when you see this, you might say, okay, the problem is with Excel. This is not the case, right? It's possible that it could be exploited in Excel, but the story that they mentioned here, and we actually covered this in the news story a couple of weeks ago, is that email security gateways, like Barracuda's email security gateway, scan files for malicious content, right? So I send, uh, send Zmif an email full of malware, and the email security gateway never delivers the email because it's loaded with uh, malware. Well, if I send Zmif a Excel file, custom crafted Excel file, when the uh, email security gateway analyzes that Excel spreadsheet to see if it's malicious or not, that's when the exploitation can happen. That's where triggering that parse exec vulnerability can happen. And then you can basically own the email security gateway. And believe me, if a threat actor owns your email security gateway, you better be happy that you wore your brown pants that day because you're going to be in for a world of hurt. Um, so basically make sure not just that Excel's updated, right? 
but make sure that your technologies that would like basically your email security gateway, um, your EDR uh, technologies, if they're going to be scanning Excel files, just be mindful of that. The fact that it's actively being exploited means that some sophisticated threat actor, likely sophisticated threat actor, has weaponized this vulnerability and they're firing it off everywhere. So guys, <laughs> you can't stop your barricade email security gateway from analyzing. A I mean, you could configure it that way, but it'd be kind of dumb to configure it, not to scan it, right? So, and you can't stop an email from being sent. So whoever has this capability, they can just fire it off, right? So you gotta be careful about that. Obviously with Chrome, uh, watering hole attack, sending you to a website that's got um, exploitation built in and then you're screwed. So uh, really quick. Um, oh, hey, Chris, we met at Deadwood Escape Room. That was a good time, Chris. Absolutely. Uh, upgrading Jeff, does this only impact those with EXE Excel installed or does this somehow impact M365 version of Excel? Um, good question. Um, it, it, like I just covered, it does cover more than people running Excel as the email security gateway could be, uh, impacted as well. Let me look really quickly. Um, uh, this spreadsheet, parse Excel, general purpose library, Perl based web dApps. The product also provides compatibility layer. Do, do, do. It doesn't. It doesn't say one way or the other, uh, upgrading Jeff, but I guess I would, well, I guess the first thing I would do is basically go look at um, what CISA is saying. So normally when you have a CVE, um, there's usually a post like this one at the National Vulnerability Database that gives you some understanding of CVSS score and a bit more information around the actual issue itself. Um, it says it's a Perl module. So this actually, so this um, this issue, upgrading Jeff based on what I just read here. Again, I don't I don't research these stories in advance. This is not an Excel executable issue. You do not have to update Excel. You don't have to worry about the cloud version versus the on-prem version or the fat client. This is literally a Perl module designed to parse Excel files. The Excel file format gets parsed using this module. So the, the actual um, action here for cyber pros and IT people, and it's going to be hard because this is a supply chain, uh, software supply chain issue, is you need to find out what technologies in your environment are using this Perl module as an import. And then um, basically you got to patch it. Ah, you got to patch it. So TLDR, this is not an Excel issue. This is a Perl module that ex uh, parses Excel files issues. Now, it is possible that Microsoft uses the same Perl module in their FAT client, but I, I seriously doubt it. Um, I don't think the FAT client would be importing Perl modules or uses Perl. I seriously don't suspect that the cloud version in M365 is using Perl. Um, so your, your exposure is low, but the thing is, just like with log4j in any software supply chain issue, figuring out where this Perl module is, is not a trivial task. You don't just like, you know, you don't just elite hacks or all the things, right? Like, hold on. You don't just do, you don't just do this, ready? Hold on. You don't just do this. Oh, I'm hacking. Hold on. 
I'm hacking. I'm hacking. I'm hacking. I'm in. You don't do that, right? You, like it's like, oh, there's the Pearl module. It's it's a hot mess express. Just be mindful. Keep all like and generally fundamental best practices. Keep your stuff up to date. Keep it patched. Stay close with your vendors, especially on mission critical applications. Uh, and you may want to evaluate who your email security gateway solution is. Uh, I'm not going to throw shade at Barracuda, but I don't use Barracuda. LastPass updates password requirement. Since 2018, the password manager LastPass recommended using 12-character master passwords, although users could ignore this by default. Back in April 2023, the service began requiring new users and those resetting passwords to use a 12-character minimum. Now it's begun rolling out a hard 12-character master password requirement on all accounts. If you don't have that, you have to change it. The company will also start checking updated and new master passwords against previously leaked credentials found on the dark web and notify users before allowing them to change it. This comes after the password manager experienced two breaches in 2022, which resulted in stolen vaults tied back to significant crypto losses. Right. Remember to tune in to. All right. So LastPass going ham. I mean, whatever. Like, so LastPass got breached. Um, through a lead developer, everybody's vaults got compromised or excuse me, everybody's vaults got taken, but they were encrypted, which was a great move by LastPass. If you had a crappy password or you had reused passwords for your master password, vault password, first of all, I don't throw shade often, but what are you doing? Like why for, of all the passwords to have weak or reuse the, the password that unlocks all of your passwords, bro, don't do that, okay? Now, LastPass is trying to recover from the reputational damage. This is one of the few instances where like real brand reputation um, happened. Um, I know a lot of people are asking me like where to go and how to, how to like <laughs> LastPass, more like Last Resort, Brent B, that's funny. Um, so... LastPass is saying, oh, you got to have a 12-character password now. Um, that's fine. I think what LastPass should say is LastPass now requires multi-factor authentication for better security. That would be a play. Yes, a 12-character password is fine, and you will not get a brute force attack on a 12-character password. But if you have an amazing 12-character password that you use everywhere, that isn't going to help you because it's called password reuse. And when your, you know, food network account gets compromised and they take your 12 network, uh, 12 character password and they put it in LastPass and they open up your password vault. Again, you might as well buy stock in brown pants because it's, it's all over your, your entire wardrobe is just brown pants. Okay. So by the way, I am wearing brown pants today, which is kind of funny. Um, 12 characters, fine. Multi-factor authentication, much, much better. We like I, I know this story isn't about multi-factor authentication, but for Christ's sake, sorry, Kenneth. We need multi-factor authentication as a requirement, especially for something as sensitive and as valuable as your password vault. Dudes, and oh my God. And the thing is, I know getting people on password vaults has a huge like onboarding um, you know, level of, of effort. And less technical people um, are, are like kind of put off by it, but I don't care. You know what? Put on your gloves, you know, let's get dirty and onboard everybody onto um, password vaults using multi-factor authentication. LastPass, I mean, dude, like it's a half measure. 
like 12 characters after the fact when everybody's accounts got popped. Nice, nice effort. But this is a half measure. You need multi-factor authentication all day, every day on your sensitive things. Um, if someone is using um, 12, uh, LastPass, um, you know, whatever, they're, they're going to just... It doesn't matter if it's LastPass. This story is like irrelevant. The, 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 the thing here is you need to educate end users in not reusing passwords. And the easiest way to do that is with a password vault that also generates unique passwords. Okay. Also, also, I will just offer up that I know the term password is embedded in our society and it is impossible to unseat that word password. But what we need to be doing in 2024 is pass phrases. Really, we should have been doing pass phrases since 2016, but we need pass phrases. What's a pass phrase? Listen, Every single morning I tune in to the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. Like that sentence I just gave you has capital letters, has blank spaces, which are special characters. It has probably like 75 characters and it's wicked easy to remember. So don't constrain yourself to some crappy, randomly generated 12 character password unless you're using a password vault. Unlock yourself and use pass phrases. How about this? My wedding anniversary is February 1st, 2010. First of all, that's got numbers. It's like 70 characters. It's got special characters, capital letters, lowercase letters. I'll never forget my wedding anniversary. Spoiler alert, that's not my real anniversary. That's just an OPSEC one. But my, my thing is, like, you don't have to make it difficult on yourself. You could have a wicked easy to remember, really complex passphrase. All right? Agreed. Okay. So, uh, BSEX, uh, using multiple exclamation points here to, to just abandon passphrases and just get on passwordless authentication. Here, here, I'm all about some passwordless authentication. Uh, passwordless authentication is so hot. That Hansel's so hot right now. Yes. Working in, uh, some Will Ferrell into the show. All right, guys, let's do this. All right, holla, holla, holla. I want to remind everybody, later today at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time, we're dropping our quarterly State of Simply Cyber. If you are a member or you just like what we're doing here of the Simply Cyber community, every quarter I hold an all-hands town hall open public live stream, and I tell you what I'm working on, what I, what I accomplished last quarter, which I told you last quarter I'd be working on, um, and I tell you what you can expect in the next quarter. And I take open comments and solicitations and feedback from the community. Why do I do this? Because I serve the Simply Cyber community. It's an amazing honor and it's frankly a privilege to be able to serve you. But the easiest way for me to make sure that I'm serving you in a way that is impactful and meaningful is to do quarterly updates and solicit feedback, right? This is how I hold myself accountable. And this is how I am um, transparent with you with what we're doing here at simply cyber you guys many of you are our squad members and you financially support the channel so it's incumbent upon me to serve this community and be transparent so that's happening today at 4 30 come on out uh i got the new the new shirt on because it's team sc i'm 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 pushing that i want it to be one cohesive community hashtag team sc in chat if you gotta go because you were just here for the news Thanks for being here. We'll be back tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern time 
on Friday, January 5th. This has been episode 528 of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Brief. Don't sleep though, because if you got time and you're all about if you're all about good times and you got a few minutes, join us for jaw jacking. Otherwise, we'll see you next time. Thanks so much. Stay secure. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Jaw Jack, and I am your host, Jerry Guy. Hopefully, you guys had a great daily cyber threat briefing. And uh, I saw Deb Wiggly in chat. It's always nice to see Deb. Big fan of Deb and uh, Jason. My merch link doesn't work. All right. Uh, I'll have to sort that out, uh, Amish Runaway. I don't even can you. I don't even know where the merch link is. I, I'm terrible. Like as far as like a businessman goes, I mean, I serve the community and I, I do all right. But like, there's so many like just like things that could be tightened up. I don't, I don't push my merch. I'm not like, get this shirt today. Um, but I think if you go to simplycyber.io slash merch, that might work. Um, let me, let me check it out really quickly. Uh, yeah. Sim- oh shoot. Are you serious? Check this out, dude. I, I didn't even know this. off everything right now. I don't control the merch store when the discounts happen. If you want to scoop up a cyber, simply cyber merch, shirt, mug, hat, what stickers, whatever it's 24% off right now. Hell heck yeah, man. Giddy up, giddy up. All right. There you go. I didn't even know you can't buy this shirt. This shirt is exclusive right now. There's only there's only three instances of this shirt. I have one. Mrs. Osher have has one, and the very talented Kimberly Can Fix It has one. This is uh this is not available yet. All right. So um yeah, I mean, what's cracking, y'all? Um, what do you want to talk about? Chris Young wants brown pants in the store. Yeah, I'm wearing corduroys, man. Look at these. I'm trying to bring. I'm trying to make corduroys cool. <laughs> I'm failing. I'm on a mission to make GRC cool or at least socially acceptable. And I'm, I'm back into, uh, I'm back into like bringing corduroys online. You could steal the shirt, Brent B. I like step out of the studio and get like hit with a, like a sock full of pool balls. All right. So people are taking it as a challenge to get this shirt without it being available. Uh, Edwin Blanco says he wants to give a shout out to Chris Young, Chris Whitlock, Professor Black Ops for sharing knowledge of Discord GRC study hall last night. Yeah, absolutely, guys. If you're a GR, if you're in my GRC analyst masterclass, or you're just interested in GRC, I want to let you know that um, on the Discord server there is a GRC study hall that happens. It's a live audio thing, uh, audio meeting on I think Wednesday nights. Uh, June, thanks for the squad membership. Udu Abraham, thanks for the squad membership. Um, and Lazaro, our very own Lazaro, love the community. Thanks so much for the continued support. Oh my God. Yeah, guys, I actually went through. So check this out. I went through my t-shirt drawer the other day because I couldn't close the damn drawer. And uh, I got rid of a couple but I like literally, I literally have like 10 Black Hills information security shirts. Um, that cabinet right there has got a bunch of shirts. Uh, the other day when I had Bo Bullock on 
Simply Cyber Live. Um, he and I were both wearing the malware um, finds a way Jurassic Park shirt. So I had to change, which is why I keep shirts in there. So, all right. So what, let me help you guys. Uh, I'll answer any questions. I'll tell you whatever. Hopefully you guys um, are into uh, coming to the town hall meeting later today. So Luke Canfield says, what GRC extension am I running? Uh, this one is, let me see. Let me look. This one here, uh, I'll just show you because I, I I don't know. Like, it's this one. Chat GPT dash dash summarize chat one four one. Um, I, you know, I I guess this one uh, is that work. You can see I got all ad block, ghostry, all these things. Um, it's a great. I don't use that extension very often, but like. Like literally, if I need a quick, if I need a quick synopsis, it's a very useful, um, it's a very useful, um, extension. B rad, not rich is not actually you. Okay. <laughs> once upon a time, that's a good question. Let me scroll back and see if I can find it. Where is once upon a times? What would you consider an entry level cybersecurity profession? I need remote work. Um, well, it depends what you want to do once upon a time in 79, but I would say that there's really two, two good um, remote work entry-level jobs that you could get. Uh, one is SOC analyst. A lot of uh, managed security service providers that do managed detection and response services. So like, look at Expel. They're a big one. Look at Arctic Wolf. They're a big one. Um, they will have their staff anywhere because it doesn't matter because they're servicing uh, clients that are everywhere. And actually, they're almost incentivized to do it uh, so they can have round-the-clock coverage. Uh, Space Talkers, I'm going to answer your question one second. The other one I would talk about is GRC remote work um, because, you know, it depends on what you want to do. But you can um, you can handle information security awareness training. You can respond to um, data calls for, you know, in information security surveys, et cetera. So um, once upon a time, I would search for SOC analyst and GRC or risk analyst, compliance analyst, um, those type of thing, audit. Um, okay. Space tacos with um, seven months. Space tacos. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, real quick. Hold on. So Justin Moore says, how long is the GRC masterclass? Um, you could take it in two weeks. If you wanted to fast track it, you could probably crush it in 10 hours. Uh, I don't know if you would get all the information from it if you did it in 10 hours, but that's how long it is. Um, space tacos tips on cyber department audit. If I want a job there. Um, Hmm. So I guess if you want a job in audit in cybersecurity, um, you, you know, you have to, like, what are you going to audit against? Right. ISO NIST, um, PCI, like, so like whatever, whatever that department is like is holding themselves accountable to, whether it's PCI for payment cards or, uh, their NIST, um, CSF based or, or whatever, like whatever their or FISMA, right? FISMA is a huge opportunity space tacos. I would actually say CMMC. They just relaunched CMMC again. Um, and there's going to be a massive amount of work for CMMC audit and compliance. I would focus there. Uh, if I had more time, that would actually be a really good, uh, video. Um, 
So check out CMMC, Charlie, Michael, Michael, Charlie, uh, for that, that's what I would do. Get smart on that. And then start, I, I would actually start going on LinkedIn and putting out content around your skill with CMMC and audit and let people see what you're doing. Also, um, it depends if you want to do that or not space tacos, but there is a discord server. That's all about CMMC. Uh, it's called the Cooey server. Go look up Jacob Horn, H O R N E on LinkedIn. Um, he's always talking about that. Um, curiosity for life. Where do I keep my t-shirts? If not in a drawer, I mean, I have it in a drawer, but this cabinet right here is like a, um, closet with a coat hanger and some shirts in there. Uh, Chris Young, the Simply Cyber, uh, si the Simply Cyber Con shirt looks good. Uh, I agree. I love that one. Uh, Kimberly developed that. What, why are ports, okay, so Chris Young, why are ports and networking key to DevSecOps analyst one level job? Chris Whitlock recommended a job for me to apply to, but not sure why the bits are essential beyond Python knowledge. Why are ports and networking key to DevSecOps analyst level one? Uh, well, I mean, so Chris Young, I'll, I'll tell you, like, I, it doesn't matter if it's DevSecOps or it's GRC analyst or it's SOC analyst, like ports and networking, like ports, like for those who don't know, ports are like at um, level three or four, depending on which way you, you, you count the stack, but level four, the transport layer of the OSI stack and level three is the networking IP layer of the OSI stack. Those are critical to understand because it's basically how two endpoints will communicate with each other and how networking devices move packets and information and data around a network. And because everything is super interconnected, it's always happening, especially with like cloud and all these other things. So for DevSecOps, I mean, with DevSecOps, my immediate thought is you're doing all sorts of automation, orchestration, uh, remediation, right? Kind of the sore playbooks and stuff. So understanding like what network, uh, like say, say you're going to run an automation where you detect a compromised asset, okay, in the cloud, and the workflow is to identify it's compromised. You're going to immediately spin up a an addition, uh, like a new endpoint that is a clone of that one from a known good state. Then you're going to move the compromised one off that network into a contained, isolated network segmentation so you can do analysis on it but you're going to stand up fake kind of stubbed um network services and uh listening services around it ports to make it so if it's trying to reach out like like say it's like a um like a like an alien inside of a, a jar and like the tentacles are flopping around you want to see that because you want to know yeah it's compromised but you want to understand like if you have the time, like, what is this malware trying to do? What is it trying to reach out to? What IPs networking is it trying to reach to? And what um, ports is it trying to connect to, right? So no matter what job you're going to do in InfoSec, you need to understand networking. That's why it's asking. So it goes way beyond Python. Okay. <clears throat> All right. All right. Take care, Jenny Housley. Guys, really quick. Love me some Jenny Housley. If you enjoy the Simply Cyber Community Challenge, Jenny Housley has a big part in maintaining that. And I love it. Thank you, Jenny. All right. What else we got? From a cyber standpoint or just a risk? Oh, I don't know what that question is. Uh, Space Taco says, my first audit is wrapping and I have the chance to audit the cyber department at my job. If I want to move from audit to the cyber team one day, 
What tips do you have? Oh, bring chocolate. I see what you're saying. I didn't realize you were like auditing the cyber department. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, space tacos. I mean, I would be memorable. I would be really friendly. Um, I would, you know what I would do? I would also like kind of like drop knowledge about what you know about cyber, right? So like whatever framework they're using, whatever, you know, stuff they're using, make an impression on them. Tell them that you're looking to move into cyber. Let them know. Uh, bring your A game. I will say, I will say this space tacos. Think about it this way and not to put too much pressure on it, but think about it like this. You are basically given an opportunity to effectively interview for the cyber team. I know it's not an interview. I know they may not have a job for you yet, but you're going to be able to demonstrate your professionalism, your acumen, your preparation, your, your like behavior and style. Like, you know, culturally, are you a good fit? You're going to be able to put all of that on display. So if you get to audit them, you know, put in that extra effort to make the, the out, the out briefing report. Excellent. Put in that extra effort to send that email and the, you know, the high touch, treat it like a job interview, frankly, uh, if you want to get in there, that's what I would do. Again, not to put much pressure on you. Okay, what else we got here? Uh, oh, I see a super chat from our very own Chris Young. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Where's that super chat? 101,000 subscribers. Hooray, thank you. Yeah, dude, shout out, 101,000 subs. We are blowing up like, I, like you knew we would. Call the number, same crib, same hood. Marcus Kyler. Uh, Tim Koss had a good question on how to develop political capital. All right, let me scroll back and find it. Uh, Tim, 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 Tim. Where's Tim? Tim, 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 Tim. Uh, I don't know. You'll have to drop it in chat again. I don't see it. Uh, Marcio says, I had a job. Marcio, by the way, um, I think you're a first timer. Welcome to the party, pal. He says, I had a job interview with Cyber CX. I don't know what CX is. And one of the panel members asked me if I enjoy dry work, such as report writing. I felt like it was a weird question. Thoughts? No, I mean, it's not a weird question. It is a little subjective that the individual would make the assumption that report writing is dry um, for you. Uh, it's not a weird question. Here's the deal. Like, here's the deal. In any job, right? In any job, your elite level hacks are, oh yeah, I'm hacking the Gibson, baby. I've got like synthwave going and, and like, oh, 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 you know, music and I'm popping boxes left and right, right? There are cool elements to all of our jobs, but there are suck elements to some of our jobs, right? You got to Like I just, I did a video yesterday on email security gateway. You got to go into the email phishing net and filter out emails that got caught as false positives and you got to send them right? Your, your vulnerability management person, you got to call the end users and ask them to update or application owners and ask them to update their stuff, right? There is bull crap, menial work in cybersecurity. It's part of the gig. Okay. So I think in them asking you that they were probably gauging, like, do you understand that it's not all fun stuff all the time? I would say for a question like that, report writing, be like, I mean, on, I don't know how you responded, but for me, I, I would respond basically like I just said, like, yeah, I know writing reports can be dry, but you know, honestly, um, that's the opportunity to really engage and make impact. 
again, I know you didn't ask me to answer this question, but I would think about this. Like, dude, I pen test your company and I hack all the things. Yay for me. Like, oh, I throw my shoulder out, pat myself on the back. But does that actually drive cyber risk reduction for the business? No. You know what would? Me writing a report that outlines how I, you know, owned you and what you can do to fix it. Boom. Value. Oh, um, I do a GRC audit for NIST cybersecurity framework, and I do a risk assessment of all your vulnerabilities. I know where you can spend your money in 2024 to realize the greatest return on your investment with the highest cyber risk reduction. Okay. Do you want to tell me? Sure. Do you know how I do that? By writing a report and delivering it to you. So something as dry as that is part of the entire life cycle of what we're doing here. And you have to realize some things suck, but they're required for the entire solution to work in an effective way. If we're not driving cyber risk reduction, then what are we doing here? That is the job. Sorry, Marcio. I don't know why I just lost my mind on that. Um, is there a channel on discord for meetups? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a channel on discord for conference meetups. People could leverage it. Um, Oh, I got lightheaded from that little flip out there. Um, here's a super chat for 10 bones. Chris young with the super chat. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Thank you for answering questions during jawjacking and giving us to all of us freely. I've collected tons of gems during the sessions. Please keep doing the great things, Dr. Osher. Yeah, thanks, Chris Young, for the uh, you know for the super chat support. And uh, I'm glad that you get value out of what I'm dropping here. Um, this is what I do. This is this gives me um, satisfaction and fulfillment, and I'm I'm very happy. I again, <laughs> I serve the Simply Cyber community. Simple as that. Yeah, I might have my face smeared all over the place on social media, but like at the end of the day, if you boil it down, I'm serving the community. Um, also, hey, um, programming note, today is Thursday, January 4th. I start back teaching at the Citadel on Thursday, January 11th. So jawjacking uh, will be limited to Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Uh, starting next week. All right. Looking at questions here. Ryan Gardner says, any secure coding practices or trains to look to do more cyber resiliency stuff at work? Um, you know, that's a good question. I haven't seen too many secure coding uh, practice type content. Um, it doesn't mean they're not out there. I'd actually throw it to the community. Does anyone have any good suggestions for secure coding practices and learning that? Um, let me know. And obviously let Ryan Gardner know, uh, please in chat. Ima Aquara. Oh, Anissa. Hey, Anissa Redman. First of all, Anissa blue badge. Love it. Anissa Redman been a long time, simply cyber community member. Uh, hadn't seen her in a while. Uh, and, and maybe you've been here, Anissa, and I just haven't seen you, but, uh, it's great to see you in chat. I hope everything's well and good luck out in that cold, man. Woo. Um, Ima Aquara says, how would you create a GRC for a real estate company? For example, I want to use my husband's business as a hands-on experience to put on a resume, but not sure where to start. Yeah, no problem. Uh, Ima, um, depending on how big it is, what I would do, I would do the following. Okay. 
This is the CIS 18 controls, right? I would, I would, this is, to me, the CIS 18 is an excellent training wheels, cybersecurity program. I would get the, you know, basically there's going to be an Excel spreadsheet with these controls. I would grab these up and I would map them and, and then basically do a baseline assessment of your husband's business on where it is. Um, secondly, so, so by doing an assessment, right, this is a popular, like anytime a CISO gets hired at a business, this is like the first thing they do. If you do a baseline assessment using something like CIS 18 for your husband's real estate business, you will then have a picture of like, where are we? And you're going to be doing audit work and you're going to be doing information security program building work, which is clearly a GRC function. That's the G. Next, you can do kind of a risk assessment on where the gaps are. And there's going to be tons of gaps. Okay. So where are the gaps? Now you've got risk, assess risk assessment experience. Then you could say, all right, husband, like here are your problems. Here's the biggest ones. Let's fix these. Um, that's how you could get GRC work um, and hands-on experience. Now, that is academically how you would do it. If I was hired by your husband's real estate business to actually drive cyber risk reduction, I would do all the things I just told you, but I would do all of those things I just told you second. What I would do first, uh, hold on, let me make sure I don't have a meeting. Yeah. Okay, so what I would do first is actually come in and say, all right, husband, all employees effective immediately need to have password vault, multi-factor authentication. We need to do an evaluation on um, like what, what systems we're using and what accounts, who has access to what. Like basically get your hands around access control right away. Next thing I would say is, what are we doing on all the endpoints? Like your, your laptop, workstation, phones. Like, do we have, you don't need EDR, right? Like EDR is pointless if you're not, if you're sending it to nobody, right? Like if there's no SOC analyst managing a centralized console, right? So just anti-malware, antivirus solutions, right? If you're you if your husband's use, so get the endpoints tightened up, right? Then email. If your husband's business is using O365 or something, go in and turn on the default templated info uh, email security policies. Just get the base baseline fundamentals in place. Then educate educate the staff at your husband's business. Hey, this is what a fish looks like. Don't click on it. Make sure that they're everything that you possibly can is set to auto patch. Okay, so like that's that's the first step. Like there are some obvious high risk reduction low hanging fruit that you absolutely should be taking on. It doesn't help you if you spend three months doing a baseline assessment and your husband's just, with all due respect to your husband, your husband's just like clicking on everything that comes into email. Put those initial fundamentals in place, then do a baseline assessment and then drop it like it's hot. And then, and then send your husband an invoice. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I thought that was funny. Okay. All right, so hey, uh, Kimberly can fix it is sharing this resource online. Oh my God, for secure coding practices, I just got wicked lightheaded. Give me a second. Okay, uh, um, Kimberly just sent this secure coding practices. I haven't vetted this code wars. I don't know if this is legit or not legit, um, but Kimberly sent it and it sounds good. So uh, worth checking out also. Um, BSEC, who knows a thing or two about a thing or two, has shared writing secure code. I apparently I bought that. Hey, check check me out. I bought this in 2010. 
<laughs> approved by me. Um, for what it's worth, 2010, um, I was going, 2010, I was going through a master's in computer science program. I'm pretty sure. No, no, no. What was I doing in 2010? I, I was I was in school. I, I was either getting a master's in computer science or a master's in information assurance, which I, I remember buying this book for reasons that I was looking at securing code. I think it was my, my, my master's in information assurance. So anyways, I've evaluated this book in the past. I don't remember doing it, but I've evaluated this book and I purchased it, which means it's um, pretty good. Um, so thank you, BSEC, for that resource. And thank you, Jerry, from 14 years ago. Um, okay. What else we got? You're welcome, Ema. Uh, thank you so much. You're welcome. Lagrat. that sucks too much coffee. Okay. Hold on. Oh yeah. I didn't, I didn't have breakfast. I don't eat breakfast. Although I do have like a, I have like Mrs. Osher. I love my wife guys. Oh my God. I love my wife. Check this out. Like this is a total jaw jacking thing. You guys are going to love this. Mrs. Osher keeps that like pantry snack bin stocked up. It's like a, it's like a vending machine with a cheat code. And, uh, I mean, that's just one of the amazing things my wife does for me, but that's a really, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to get into that after I get off the show here. Um, I'm going to be, uh, also, uh, good news. I'm filming the final two lectures of the cybersecurity 101, uh, course today. Um, Hopefully I'll be recording all the labs very soon, but we are, uh, we are wicked close. The beta testers are in there. Um, hopefully they're enjoying the class and getting, uh, some good value from it and also, uh, getting feedback. Um, I like for Chris Young is a beta tester. Uh, Jesse Johnson is a beta tester. They're in chat right now. Emilio Garcia is a beta tester. He's in chat. Um, so I know, Lagrat. Everybody, Nick Barker was commenting on that. People are always yelling at me to eat. I'll, I'll eat. Don't sweat it. it I'm not going to pass out yet. Oh, cool. Elite Gunslinger, please let me know. Please let me know. And um, uh, ISC Squared, I, uh, I did evaluate their policies. And um, as far as I'm concerned, I could pretty make a, make a good argument about why it applies. CompTIA, CompTIA is the only one that um, you could, it could be a little dicey on whether or not they accept it. But dude, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Chris Whitlock, yeah, you're also a um, beta tester. So like, here's the thing. If, if any organization pushes back on the CPEs, we'll have to solve for it. Like, here's the deal. If I put a registration wall in front of this and you had to register, and at the end of the episode, I emailed you a certificate of, for CPEs, we could do that. But the crappy thing is, um, I guess I could do that and you would just have to opt in to registering. I wouldn't, I wouldn't paywall it. I, I will tell you this. I don't know if anyone knows this. Last year, I got approached by a company that wanted to buy the daily cyber threat briefing. They wanted to buy it. 
and have me continue to run it, but they were going to pay, they were going to paywall the daily cyber threat briefing. And uh, that's when the conversation ended. I'm like, what? You obviously, um, no. Um, no, no, CompTIA is great for Security Plus. That's what CompTIA, CompTIA does have the Security Plus. I'm saying the CPEs and their policies around what qualifies as a CPE is a little muddled as far as what we're doing here. This, the daily cyber threat briefing, by the way, I say half a CPE because that's 30 minutes. The show is an hour long, but I want there to be no confusion that, oh, the first 10 minutes is sponsor reads and there's a mid roll. Like, fine. You know, whatever. Let's do half an hour. There's definitely a half hour of content. It is effectively an instructor-led webinar. If I, if I said, okay, here's a Zoom call and you have to register for it and I'm going to be covering these six news stories and how it relates to the industry... That would absolutely all day, every day qualify as an instructor-led webinar. I just don't do it that way because it's it's not what I want to do. I don't want this to feel corporate. Thanks, Chris Young. I'm glad I didn't sell too. Uh, let's see. Sounds like the LTT $100 million offer they refused. <laughs> um, let's see. 925. We're going good. Eddie, Eddie, Eddie Uko, uh, the beta testers are closed right now. Um, I'll be launching the course. Everybody will, the course should be available to people in, you know, late January, early February, depending on the beta testers. Once upon a time in 1979, got net plus and sec plus. Congratulations on that. Feels like they don't know anything. So, um, I'll tell you this. I have a video on the channel called Beat Imposter Syndrome. Once upon a time in 1979, you might want to go watch that. I also have a spoiler. Listen, once upon a time in 1979, I have multiple advanced degrees in this field. Okay. I have 20 years of experience. I've done a ton in this field. I just got asked a question just now about resources for secure coding, and I didn't have an answer. It doesn't matter where you are in your career journey, you've got to come to grips and be comfortable with that. You'll never know it all. There's a ton you won't know. And that's part of the draw for a lot of people to cybersecurity. It's constantly evolving. It's a massive field. You can go down a rabbit hole as deep as you want um, on you know Android malware forensics analysis. You could be the specialist there, right? Or you could go abroad and be a SOC analyst, right? So don't sweat that you, like if you feel like you don't know anything, you do know stuff. Don't be hard on yourself and just know that there's a ton more to learn. That I will say this, and this is something I I want everybody that wants to be in cybersecurity to get into cybersecurity, but this is a real truth that only you can answer for yourself. If you're going to work in cybersecurity, you have to continue to learn. You have to continue to develop. Like basically like climbing the hill to get to the top of the, the hill and like, you know, break into the industry or whatever. Guess what? When you get to the top of the hill, there's another hill directly in front of you. You will never reach the top. And it's it's not a threat. It's it's just a reality. Threat actors are constantly changing. Technology is constantly changing. Initiatives, projects, everything's constantly changing. You've got to adapt. 
right? Anyone that is like chilling is going to be like left behind. That's it. You know, again, it's not a threat. It's just like, you got to answer the question for yourself. Are you comfortable with constant development? If not, it might not be a good run for you. Take it easy, Michael Huskin. Exactly. Laura Flores. It's the nature of cybersecurity to not know very much because there is so much to know. Well put. Uh, um, cyber's a mountain range. Once you hit the top of one mountain, you have to climb another. A hundred percent. hundred percent. So hopefully everyone's getting value out of the stream. I, I certainly am. Thank you very much. I'm just reading back through chat here. Uh, Cyber K says, good morning. Any advice on resume writing? I'm trying to land a sock job. Oh yeah. Hey, this will be my final one. Cyber K, my favorite thing to say on this. Uh, my favorite thing to say to anyone, frankly, is I've got a video for that. Check this out. I've got multiple videos on this one, but you're going to love this one, Cyber K. Playlists? Because I'm going I'm to do you one better. I'm going to do you one better, Cyber K. Check this playlist out, okay? How to use ChatGPT to basically just explode. Now check this out, ready? This one right here. These are, these are, these are in order for a reason. This is how to find the job. This is how to blow out your resume. This is how to crush the interview. And this is how to get a better uh, paying job offer. Okay. So use this to find the job. Use this to fix your resume. Use this to destroy the interview. And then use this to get paid. Great cash, homie. Okay. So if all you're interested here, I'm going to drop the whole playlist, right? This is the whole playlist. And if you just go on to Simply Cyber and look at the playlists, it's the ChatGPT tutorial one. But specifically, this video is the resume one. And um, hold on. That's the resume one, Cyber K. And it basically, what you're going to do here, I'll just TLDR it for everybody, okay? And then I got to go. I'm really getting lightheaded. Um, Basically, you take the job you want, right? So you said SOC analyst position, right? So copy the SOC analyst position that you want to apply to. Like literally copy and paste it. Don't worry about formatting. Dump it into ChatGPT. Dump your resume into ChatGPT if you're okay with it being in, in the public space, okay? And literally you say, ChatGPT, here's my current resume. ChatGPT, here's the job I want. ChatGPT, rewrite my resume to... um. Be, be an optimal uh, fit for this job and then take it and in, in, uh, in, um, take it and in, in, uh, in, in post it. And you can do that for, um, for any job, right? You can keep, you can keep changing your, uh, your resume over and over again. Also um, as a, as a bonus, bonus material, um, you have it write a cover letter for you as well, right? Short and sweet. Okay. Yeah, do do remove your PII, like your email address, your phone number, your address. I don't like having the I don't like having your address on the resume either. Um oh hey, Chris Young, don't sweat it. I feel fine. I'm just 
I'm just pushing myself a little here today. Chris Young with the super chat. Can we just become best friends? Yep. All right. All right, everybody. Solid jaw jacking. Solid jaw jacking today. You all are amazing. I hope you got value from the show. Remember, come back at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time today. I can't wait to share all the good stuff with you around the state of the Simply Cyber uh, community, all the great stuff we've already accomplished this quarter, and all the things that we're going to do uh, in the next 90 days. All right? So come on out. Show out. It's going to be real good. All right? I promise you. All right. I'm Jerry. Your chat. Thanks so much, everybody. And until next time, stay secure. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts, and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content, and we'll see you in the next one. One.